All right, here we go. Episode 71 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. 71 episodes. We are 71 episodes in. Sam, we've been doing this for a while. And we're only getting better with age, Jason. Absolutely. We're like fine wine. Real fine. Well, like like stuff you find in Napa Valley. Right. I kind of, well, I think some of our audience members might consider us like milk. You know, we just get worse over time, but I don't know. <laughs> the longer the podcast goes, the more spoiled. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Oh. Well, but then we can, we, they can just churn us into some cheese. And then we're like a nice Swiss. That's true. That's true. We're I got to say, I got to say, milk goes from being the most, one of the most delicious drinks, in my opinion, to absolutely god awful in the span of five minutes, just based purely on the temperature. Anybody who drinks warm milk, I can't even talk to you. It's it's horrible. But then how do you fall asleep at night? Not with warm milk. I, <laughs> I don't know. You, but You just pop those pills. Yeah, that's true. That's true. How was your week, man? Oh, it was good. It was good. I, um, a lot of stuff happened. We didn't. We need to. We need to talk about some sports, man. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah, a lot of stuff did happen, and we're gonna kick off the show like we do every other week. It seems like Dom Taylor's rejoined us this week for some college football talk. So, Dom, how, first of all, how was your week? Uh, I had a great week. Um, just been uh, kind of finishing up classes. I've got one more assignment that's due. Tomorrow, and I will be done with my first semester of my junior year at the University of Alabama. So, very excited about that. There we go. I uh, it's a great feeling. I finished up my last uh, my last assignment for this semester yesterday, so I'm done as well. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. All right, take us through some college football this weekend. Without a doubt. Well, um, I, I'm gonna do something a little different today, just in terms of what I'm gonna be covering content-wise. There's really not much to cover in terms of Week 14, just because all of the expected teams that were supposed to win won. Uh, so there's really no shockers. I mean, um, you know, Alabama's first chronological, or I guess not chronologically, but rankings-wise, because we are number one. But um, 55 to 17, we beat the LSU Tigers. That was a phenomenal game to watch for me. I just want to point out that. Of the two teams that we lost to last year, Alabama, or excuse me, Auburn and LSU, we have beat them this season, 97 to 30 uh, combined score. So um, I think we completed our revenge tour. Um, that's the only thing I'm going to say on that. There's really not much, uh, much to go over other than the fact that both of those programs are collapsing before my very eyes, and it's just a beautiful thing to see. Um, other than that, Notre Dame – you know, they, they won against Syracuse. It was a close game in the first quarter, but they ended up scoring 21 points in a matter of three minutes before half and blew it out of the water. Um, then, of course, Clemson 45, Virginia Tech 10, Ohio State 52, Michigan State 12. There's some big drama going on with the Ohio State bucket Buckeyes right now. Um, some big news that actually came out just a few minutes ago that we're going to get to just in a few minutes here. But um, other than that, other the, all the other teams in the top 10, really, they all won their respective matchups in, in dominating fashion. And, um, there's not going to be much switch up when it comes to the rankings later tonight. But we will get into the playoff picture here in a second. I want to give you my Dom's Dominator of the Week, um, the second edition of this very prestigious um, and highly sought-after award. My honorable mention for this week is uh, Keaton Slovis, which, Sam, I'm sure, you know, 
uh, not fun to hear that name. Not a, not a lot of uh, joy in your heart for the USC Trojans, but 25 for 32, 287 yards and five touchdowns against Washington State. That's a great stat line. Uh, that's a phenomenal stat line. You know, it's good to see that the that the the Pac-12 actually has some athletes that can, in fact, compete and perform how they're supposed to compete. What are you, um, what are you trying to say, Tom? I, well, you really want to hear what I what I have to say on uh, the Oregon Ducks? No, I actually would rather not. <laughs> okay, I'd rather cool. get through a good day yeah. today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to I want to make sure that you we end the show with a smile on your face um, rather than tears. Uh, we will. We will give that honorable mention to Keaton Slovis. And my winner, I know he said last week you, you, you hoped I never had any bias. I don't even think this is bias. It is an Alabama player, but I think he absolutely deserves it. Devontae Smith, eight receptions for 231 yards and three touchdowns against LSU. That's an incredible stat line, but he had 200 of those yards at the half. Three, all three touchdowns, including a one-handed touchdown grab in the back of the end zone before the half ended, this guy is uncoverable. Uh, he's, he's better than Amari Cooper. He has changed my mind. Um, he is, without a doubt, the best wide receiver that we've ever had at the University of Alabama. Uh, his stat line for the last four games, he's had at least seven receptions for 140 yards and two touchdowns in every single game for the past month. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything left to say here. He is, without a doubt, um, the best wide receiver in college football this year. He definitely deserves the highly prestigious Dom's Dominator Award of the Week. Now that the, the semantics are out of the way, let's get into the playoff picture. So the playoff picture, I would give you mine, but it doesn't matter anymore because the playoff committee so um, wonderfully spells it out for us every single week. Right now it's number one Bama, number two Notre Dame, three Clemson, four Ohio State. Five Florida, six Texas A&M, and sitting on the outside, of course, is um, Cincinnati. Well, the last four, three teams are sitting on the outside, but they're on the they're on the hump. They might be able to get in, given some upsets. Cincinnati might just barely be too far outside to have any possibility to get into the playoff, just based on strength of schedule. Now, speaking of Cincinnati, they just had their game against Tulsa canceled, but they are playing them in the AAC championship in two weeks. So if they win that in dominating fashion and some weird upsets happen, there is the potential for them to get in. Now, let's talk about some of those scenarios that could happen for a team like Cincinnati or Texas A&M or Florida to get in. First off, the Clemson and Notre Dame rematch is a go. That That's already happening. Both of the teams have clinched their respective places in that game. Um, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, again, Clemson is out. They would have two losses. They wouldn't be a conference champion, and they would not be in the college football playoff. That opens up the door for a team like Florida if they beat Alabama or Texas A&M. Even then, that's not a lock because if Florida beats Alabama, there's a chance that they would move up to three, and Bama wouldn't even drop out of the top four. They would go from number one to number four and still stay in it uh, just because of their strength of schedule. Right now, ESPN has Bama's uh, chance to make the playoff at 97%. So, um, I mean, the, the chances of us losing and still getting into the playoff are still pretty high. We're probably the only team that can afford a loss at this point. Now, on the other hand, if Clemson were to beat Notre Dame, Notre Dame would likely drop out due to the fact that they wouldn't be a conference champion. And when they did beat Clemson, it was with uh, several injuries on the Clemson Tigers roster, including their starting quarterback. Now, um, 
I think that I don't I don't know if people really want to see a third rematch of Notre Dame. Um, I could see it happening potentially. I could see it going either way, quite honestly. Um, I think that's a, it's a valid point to say people don't want to see that game a third time. Um, but the more and more I think about it, I think that no, if Notre Dame were to lose, they would kick them out completely because they lost to the Clemson Tigers in in their conference championship game um, with at full strength, essentially. So that would be done. Now, the big news that I was talking about earlier, just a few minutes ago, Ohio State announced that the Ohio State-Michigan game has been canceled due to COVID-19. Now, Ohio State has only played five games this season. This entire, the last two months, they've only been able to get five games under their belt. The conference cutoff was six games to even make the conference championship. The Big Ten has announced that they're going to move the bar down to five games, uh, pandering to their eventual conference champion and probably only lock to get into the playoff at this point. There's a lot of debate going on as to whether or not Ohio State even deserves to get into not only their conference championship, but the playoff at all, Um, given that other teams have had to play eight, nine, ten games, and they've only had to play five, and the playoff committee still has them at the number four spot. They're going to beat – they would have beat Michigan, no problem. They most likely will handle five and one Northwestern, the other lock to get into the college – or into the uh, Big Ten championship game. But this has some pretty major implications because if one – if they're not healthy enough to play Michigan next week, the week after, if they would have to play – Northwestern, are they? What if that gets canceled? Now you're looking at a five and one uh, team that is not it can't get its COVID nineteen problems under control enough to play its conference champion in the other division. Does it deserve to get into the playoff with five games as opposed to Florida, Texas A and M, and Cincinnati, who have all played um, you know eight or more? So there's a lot of debate going on there. That's something that's going to be really interesting to see in the next few weeks. Is does Ohio State play this game? Do they look convincing enough when they play Northwestern? And will the playoff committee let them in only based on a resume of five to six games when other teams have a lot more than that? Um, that's that is that is really the big. Those are the biggest storylines coming up for this week. Uh, the Florida and Alabama game in the SEC championship game that is a lock. Those teams are now guaranteed to go to that game. They've clinched their respective divisions. If Florida beats Alabama, like I said, Bama will probably still get in. If Florida loses, they are out. Texas A&M could jump up to that fourth spot if a team like Notre Dame or Clemson or Ohio State loses. Um, Cincinnati needs absolute chaos to get in to that game. And um, just for uh, <laughs> just for novelty's sake, Sam, how are you feeling about that Oregon-Washington game this week? Uh, feel, feel pretty good about it, Dom. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, there's nothing I can expect from it, you know. There's yeah. nothing you can expect from this Oregon team. Absolutely. I mean, the amount of uh, the amount of chaos that goes on on my phone when Oregon loses to an OSU and then goes and loses to probably the worst team in the Pac-12. Um, it's just crazy. <laughs> They're just calling for everyone's heads. Like fire Mario. Uh, get rid of these these coordinators. Everything. Just gut the whole roster. It's crazy. It's it's. Panic button is in full effect. In your oh, I, I must say, I I, uh, I feel bad, but I do thoroughly enjoy it. But at the same time, you got to keep it in perspective. This is 2020. Ridiculous things are happening. I think everybody just kind of needs a mulligan this year. 
Um, I mean, for if Colorado's four and zero, you know, like what what kind of year is this where Colorado is four and zero and Oregon already has two losses during the season? You know, it's it's a weird it's a weird year. You know, let's just cut everybody some slack. No need to pull the trigger and fire anybody. Let's just uh, you know let's let's all be sensible about this. I, I would say. So I have I, I got one follow up question for that. Do you think Oregon is one of the top? I'd say six programs in the country over the last maybe decade, decade and a half. Yeah, if we're if we're talking about a decade, I would definitely say top like, six. Like based off of branding, less about like I guess perform more about like perception. No, I, absolutely. I, well, what, for one thing, I mean, you guys have been in two national championships. You, you haven't I, under. I know you haven't won them, but you've been in two. You've been dominating the Pac-12 for the better part of a decade. Brand-wise, everybody knows the O. Um, absolutely, I'd put you in the top six. If we're talking about a decade-long span, definitely. So one of my friends, uh, Brendan, who I, we actually had on the show, Jason, um, he was saying that Oregon thinks of themselves as an SEC team but plays like a non-Power 5 conference team <laughs> at, at points. And that's really like the perfect way to describe them. They think they're in Alabama and Ohio State, and then they go out and lay a dud. We've seen it every year. They lost to ASU last year with Justin Herbert. That should not have happened. They lost to OSU and Cal this year. It's like these things should not be happening for this program. I agree. I agree, but I think that uh, with the recruiting classes you guys have coming in, I trust Coach Cristobal. Um, I just think it's a very it's a very strange year for the Pac-12. So, um I wouldn't think too far into it. I think it's just kind of you regroup, you come back next year, um, and I think Oregon is going to be just fine. So my my other question, would a wide receiver be able to win the Heisman this year? I Listen, I, I am advocating for this so hard. I, I think that – I think Devontae Smith should at least be in New York for it. The frustrating thing about the, the Alabama Heisman situation is I don't think any of our players are going to win it because we have guys taking stats away from – like Kyle Trask is the front runner right now because he's got ridiculous stats, but he is the offense. He and Kyle Pitts are just, you know, he's the offense. And his defense lets him stay on the field for the better part of four quarters. And so he gets to just rack up stats the entire game while his def- – you know, they don't, they're not comfortably – sitting there with leads all the time while Alabama sits Mac Jones down in the third quarter, or we give Najee Harris three rushing touchdowns on, you know, 20 carries. So, I mean, I would say that I definitely want Devontae Smith to be there. He's uncoverable. I mean, there has not been a cornerback that's been able to keep him under like a hundred yards this season. You know, I mean, there might've been one to two games where he didn't have less than 90 yards. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm advocating for it. I think Devontae Smith deserves to be there for the Heisman ceremony. I think that he's the best, definitely the best wide receiver in college football. I would argue he's the best player in college football. Um, but Desmond Howard and I think was it only there's only been one other, maybe two other wide receivers to ever win it. I know Desmond Howard was one of them, and he had a ridiculous season, just like Devontae's having. So, um, listen, I'm, I'm all for it. I think that he deserves to be there. Does it take a him-breaking records – for wide receivers in college football, like how, what kind of record watches are we talking here for Devontae Smith? Well, I, I don't know what the career all-time receiving record is. I know he's already 
absolutely obliterated the career touchdown record at Alabama in the SEC. Um, he's probably going to end up with 45 career receiving touchdowns by the end of this season. I don't, I, I gotta, I gotta look up those stats. I think that's a very good point. I want, I want to understand where he's sitting right now in career uh, receptions and touchdowns, but I think it, if he has a couple more games like this, I mean, if he we're playing Arkansas next week, he's going to be able to pad some stats we're playing Florida after that, that defense is not going to be able to stop him. Um, I mean, if he ends up with, you know, 1700 receiving yards by the end of the next two games and 40 plus touchdowns, I don't see why you don't, you don't at least give him a spot, a chair in uh, at the playoff or excuse me, the, the Heisman ceremony. Right. It'd be really cool because it's really just been a quarterback dominated award. It seems like. Yeah, no, it has been. I mean, that's, that's uh, I have some, I have some gripes about the Heisman that we can go into on another episode, but um, it is kind of a, a quarterback dominated award. It's also somewhat of a popularity contest and, and not really a um, what kind of person are you uh, in, you know, the, the terms of the Heisman trophy, like Johnny Menzel and James Winston winning is probably the two biggest jokes, uh, disgraces on the Heisman trophy, because I mean, there were scandals and attitude problems all around those guys, but because they made flashy plays, they were given the Heisman, you know, because of their stats. Um, and so different episode, but I, 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 um, I think that better, uh, research into just what these players are doing on their respective teams is, is, more warranted for the Heisman Trophy. And last last thing, is there anything from the NCAA or the playoff committee that says that um, any team to qualify has to play a number of games? Or, like, would Ohio State be disqualified because of that? Or are they going to consider them no matter what? As far as I understand, there isn't. Um, the, the playoff committee, their job is to get the top four best teams into the playoff not the four most deserving but the four best and so if they believe that Ohio State looks like one of the four best teams in the country that they would um, stand up toe-to-toe against any of the teams in the top 10 most likely um, they will they will get in because I mean talent-wise they are better than most of the teams Um, play-wise their margin of victory has been ridiculous just in the five games the one game against Indiana which was their most um talented opponents they only won by a touchdown which is somewhat concerning for them i'm sure but i think if they played the rest of the games under schedule that were canceled that you would have seen that they were um still the best team in that conference so it's just a matter of how much tape is the committee going to watch in ohio state and are they going to make the jump i mean i don't know if you punish ohio state for having covid problems on other schools you know that that's an argument it's like why would you punish ohio state when the other schools haven't been able to get their their um, you know their problems together, and and that punishes Ohio State. But there's also the argument of punish the Big Ten for waiting, flip flopping over the course of a month as to whether or not they were going to play football, and then coming back and saying that they were, um, and then you know changing the rules so that they still have a team in the playoff because that's what they're doing. I mean, they're basically trying to guarantee that they have a team in the playoff no matter what. Well, the so, reason they played this season is probably because of Ohio State pushing for it right Right. if we're going to be honest i mean yeah and i mean they they gave ohio state two really easy games when they changed their uh when they changed their schedules and and got rid of their non-conference stuff um they gave them two you know cross-divisional opponents that were very weak i think they gave them like illinois and rutgers 
So, um, but if we're being if we're being completely impartial, if the SEC were doing the same thing, you would want Alabama to have every opportunity to make the playoffs. I would, but uh, you know, I I would argue that if Alabama played five games and we weren't going to go to the 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 conference championship, or or if we were and it got canceled, um. If we played the way we're playing this year, I would argue that we're one of the four best teams. But Ohio State, I don't know if they've really convinced people of that yet. There's not a, that's not like undeniably certain that they are a top four team. They might be five. You know, Florida might just barely be better than them. We we don't really know because strength of opponent um, is hard to kind of translate. And so if Ohio State and Florida played a play-in game, that would be the biggest thing here. I mean, I think that would be the most um, telling thing. But obviously, that can't happen. So, um, I you know. This is kind of funny. I've heard rumblings of like, you know, Ohio State now has a bye week this week and Texas A&M does the same. So, like, should they play, you know, and then they can really prove that they're one of the best teams by beating a top 10 team. But that most likely won't happen because there's just no incentive. They don't want to get beaten. They just want to kind of play their cards right and slip into the playoff. So it's weird. I don't know. This is such a just such an odd year for college football. That there are so many different scenarios and just things that are kind of out of people's control that will determine what the playoff picture looks like in a couple of weeks. Well, the one thing that's for certain is that um, it's at least as of right now, it's going to be played and that uh, all we can do right now is, is hope for a, uh, is hope for a competitive college football playoffs, whatever that looks like and whatever that may be when the time comes. Mm-hmm. So, well, Dom, as always, Thank you so much for coming on the show. You always make us sound uh, way smarter than we actually are. Um, you're the uh, you're the fine wine part of our segment, and Sam and I are the the milk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, absolutely, guys! Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you hopefully next thanks, week. Tom. Yep, sounds good. Roll Tide. And that's Dom Taylor. Um, He's really good at what he does. Yeah, he brought it, man. He always brings it. He really does. But, I mean, like, it's not – I think that we've come to expect he's that the, at this point. He's the wine you get at the wineries in Napa Valley. And we're the wine that you get at Safeway when you're just – when you're yeah, about to go fair. on a date. When you just need to stop that's... on Valentine's Day, you just need to stop by Safeway to get that quick bottle of wine and some roses. That's what we are. Oh, my gosh. Can yes. you hear this dog? Oh, he's the most annoying do. dog of all time. Yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> Single-handedly trying to ruin every podcast. It's okay. I think my dog was barking earlier, too. So. Oh, I didn't hear it. We just got all, we got all the animals barking today. Hey. All right. Let's move on to some NFL. And I've got, uh, I've got some opening notes for the NFL weekend that I would like to share with everybody. Sam, I got fast facts and what we learned. Which one do you want to start uh, with? I want to learn some stuff. All right, what we learned? I got three. So where do you want to go? We'll go to the Browns, Steelers, and Jets. What do you want to hear about oh, first? Oh, give me the Jets. Give me the Jets. Okay, we learned this weekend that there are coaches in the NFL that do not know how to do their jobs. That do not know how to do their jobs. I don't know why. And to this, and after after the Raiders Jets game, everybody collectively sat there and go, why? Why in the world did their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, call a cover zero blitz when 
in that situation, and I don't remember exactly what the number was, but I think the number was 256. There were like 256 times in the past like 15 years where a team has needed to go like 40 yards with less than 15 seconds left. And on zero of those plays had anybody ever rushed more than six. And I think they brought seven. And it was funny because Derek Carr, after the game, when he was interviewed, he was like his, I don't remember word for word what his quote was, but he was like, yeah, I looked up and I couldn't believe they blitzed us, but I'm glad they did. Um, And yeah, it was one of the, Rex Ryan said it on Get Up this week, that it was the dumbest thing he had ever seen in sports or or just in football. And it was a horrible call. And it was a horrible call. And he, Greg Williams, ended up getting fired, um, I believe, yesterday, which would have been Monday. So we learned that there are some coaches in the NFL who really don't uh, know how to do their job, which we kind of knew. So I'm going to take I'm going to take a different approach here. Poor Greg mm-hmm. Williams, man. You know he got the call before this game. Greg, you know what we need to do? We need to get to 0-12. That's what we need to do, Greg. Whatever you need <laughs> to do, tell your, tell your players, don't tackle Darren Waller on a five-yard curl out and let him get a 45-yard touchdown. Don't let them tackle him. Let Darren Waller do anything to you that he wants to. If you somehow have the lead, you need to make sure that Derek Carr makes you guys look foolish. And he just get punished for it. That is, he's doing his job, everyone. His job is to get the Jets to 0-12. Adam Gase is doing a great job with the Jets. What do you think their main prerogative is? Lose. They are the best team at what they do. People are are just misunderstanding what the Jets are all about. See – what is it? The Jaguars have one win. This is a tight race. Imagine the Jets losing Trevor Lawrence, the player that might change their franchise forever, because Greg Williams decides to get a little bit of pride and actually wants to win a game. But no, he swallowed his pride, said, no, I am committed. He is trusting the process. And he's getting punished for it. Everyone's clowning him. That You know what? I take offense to that Jason well in hindsight he gets a paid four-week vacation and he gets to spend the holidays with his family so he's no longer employed by the Jets exactly and I believe Derek Carr is now has the NFL record for most comeback uh drives in his first however many we'll talk we'll talk about eight or seven so uh, all right, so we'll move on to the second thing, the Steelers game. We'll go Steelers-Washington. We learned that just because you're 10-0, and 0, just because you're 10-0 and 0 doesn't mean you automatically get to be coronated as a potentially undefeated team. Now, the thing about this game, honestly, and I'll do a quick little uh, thing about this game, did I expect the Steelers to win? Yes. But were I, was I surprised that they lost? No. No, I was not. And I actually have a stat for that game and fastbacks in a little bit. But with the Steelers, the two reasons why I wasn't surprised is, one, Washington's defense is elite. They're the fourth-ranked defense in the league, and their pass rush is insane. They've been playing extremely well on defense. And, two, the Steelers were coming off a very 
very short week against a Baltimore Ravens team, which granted wasn't at full strength, but still gave them a really, really tough fight. So they were coming off a short week and they were playing against one of the top five defenses in the league. There were a lot of things working against the Steelers this weekend. And while I expected them to win, I wasn't surprised that they lost. Now, I was surprised with the Browns and with the last thing with what we learned is what we learned is that the Browns are a legit playoff team. They're legit. They, they handled the Titans this weekend. Absolutely handled them. Now the Titans made a bit of a push in the second half, a bit of a push in the second half, but Baker Mayfield played his best game as an NFL pro, probably, he was 25 or 33, 334 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's been playing some really good football over the past couple weeks. The Browns are 8-0 when they score more uh, – eight. no, no, no. Was it 8-0? They're 9-0 when they score more than eight points. More Wait, than what? eight points in a game. Yeah. This this year? Yeah. I think it's eight – it either 8 or 9-0 when they score more than eight points oh, this year. That's bizarre. More than – Eight points. That's crazy. <laughs> Just give me two touchdowns. That's crazy. <laughs> Just give me two yeah, touchdowns. Cr- so look at so you look at right now. They the three games that they lost, they lost to the Ravens. They only scored six. They lost to the Steelers. They only scored seven. They lost to the Raiders. They only scored six. Those are their only three losses. Any other time where they score more than eight points, they've won the game. <laughs> eight points is all they've needed so far. And they're 9-0 when they do it. It's crazy. The Cleveland Browns are a legit playoff team and a team that I don't think people are going to want to see when it comes to playoff time. The two fast facts that I have for you, I'll go back to that Washington game. Washington was 4-7 and seven coming into the game. They had a .364 record before the game. That is the lowest win percentage by a team to defeat an opponent that entered 11-0 or better in NFL history. So congrats to the Washington football team for that. And then the last one I have for you is the Steelers now have the most consecutive games with a sack in NFL history, or it ties an NFL record at 69. 69 straight games with a sack. So, yeah, that's a – and the Raiders right now can't buy a sack. So, (laughs) meanwhile, the Steelers are got – Rattling off 69 straight games with a sack. So let's get into the games this weekend. We got the Saints and the Falcons. Saints with the Falcons 21 16. That was the fast fact. I just, oh, dude. That, well, so yeah, the sorry. two ones I'm right so there. Sorry. I thought you were going to quiz yeah, just me. Not That's what I was attention. waiting for. Oh, no, no, no. That was trivia. Trivia. Oh. Um, all right. So, anyway, Saints beat the Falcons 21 16. Browns over the Titans 41 35. Dolphins beat the Bengals 19-7. The Lions come back against the Bears. Bears give up a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter to the Lions, 34-30. Vikings beat the Jaguars, 27-24. The Colts beat the Texans. I barely beat the Texans, and we'll get into a little bit of how that game ended. Mm-hmm. They win 26-20. The Raiders come back against the Jets, 31-28. What was a really crazy final play? We talked about that a little bit earlier. The Giants beat the Seahawks, 17 17- to 12 by the way the Giants are five and two in their last seven games just letting you guys know the Rams beat the Cardinals 38 to 28 the Patriots shut out the Chargers 45 to a zero 
Chiefs beat the Broncos 22-16. Packers beat the Eagles 30-16. Washington over the Steelers, ending the Steelers' undefeated season 23-17. Bills beat the 49ers 34-24. Today, the Cowboys will be playing the Ravens for Tuesday night football. So <laughs> Tuesday night. <laughs> Tuesday night football. So I... Bad. If you don't mind, I would like to just quickly get this Raiders-Jets game out of the way. Oh, it's not going to be quick, my friend. Um, I will so make sure here, it is not quick. So here's the thing about this game. Yes, the Raiders won, but they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. And I honestly – I was happy that they won, but I wasn't happy with the way that they won. You know, um, their defense – their defense is horrible. <laughs> It's just bad. If there was a game this season that I could point to that would be the Raiders' worst defensive performance, I know they gave up 45 points to the Buccaneers. I get it. And I know they gave up 36 to the Patriots. But still, to give up 28 points to the Jets, to the Jets, who right now, right now, any team who plays the Jets falls under this umbrella is the please god don't let it be us please god don't let it be us don't let us be the team that gives them that one win and the raiders were greg williams away from doing that and Derek's stats in this game he was 28 for 47 381 three touchdowns one pick the yards look great the touchdowns look great he didn't have a good game jason he I'm did. so proud of you. Keep going. Keep he going. didn't have Come a good on. game. He did not have a good game. And I'll tell you why. And I don't know. And this is much on the Jets defense as it is uh, anything else. But before I get to the Derek thing, the play before the game winning touchdown, Nelson Aguilar got behind the Jets defense. So on back to back plays, the only thing that the Jets cannot do is allow somebody to beat them over the top. And on back-to-back plays with less than 30 seconds, they let it happen twice. The Raiders actually should have won on the previous play. Derek just missed him. Derek missed him. He flat-out missed him. And he did that a lot during that game. He did not have a good game at all. At all. I don't care that the numbers say 381 for three touchdowns in one pick. And that one pick wasn't even his fault. That was a tipped pass that went to the Jets' defense. That wasn't his fault, but he was not accurate. He missed a lot of throws, and it was one of his worst games in terms of accuracy, which for a guy who has been one of the most accurate quarterbacks over the past couple years, he didn't do them any favors for a large majority of that game. Yeah, he threw three touchdowns. That's great, but he didn't play well. And that offense looks nowhere near the same without – uh, Josh Jacobs. If you wanted to know how important Josh Jacobs is to that team, you just watch how what their run game was like. They only ran for 72 yards. They only ran for 72. That's horrible. That's horrible for a team who's built around the run. The only person who really had a phenomenal day yesterday was Darren Waller. He had 13 receptions for 200 yards and two touchdowns. He had a great mm-hmm. game. He had a great game, but everybody else, everybody else did not have uh, that good of a game. Everybody else just kind of had a so-so day. So, yay, glad they won. 
not happy with the way that they won because they did not play well at all, at all. So that's my. Yeah, piece. it looks like it looked like two teams that really didn't want to win. Yeah, because you have. I'm so glad that you said that about Derek because I'm sitting here thinking that Gruden's got to be thinking to himself, man. I might, I might. This team might be a quarterback away from getting to the next level and Derek might be the piece that's limiting them. Cause if they don't win that game and he doesn't complete that throw to, to rugs, he, that, that game is his fault that they lost. Cause he missed Aguilar on fourth and goal when Aguilar was wide open in the corner and he underthrew it. Do you remember that one? I do. That was a bad throw. That whole, that whole it was series. A of plays at for at the goal line was so weird. Um, he he just looked off all day. He didn't look in control at all, like what we've seen. He didn't look sharp, like what we've seen against Kansas City. And he really hasn't looked good back to back games now because the Atlanta game was awful. We don't have to go into that, but that's just it's weird that this Raiders team answered such a disappointing loss against the Falcons with an equally disappointing win. It's just really yeah, not what you he, want to see from a team that's trying to make that step to make the playoffs. And to Derek's credit, he has been playing very well pretty much this entire yep. season. His stats have been his best they've been pretty much his entire career. His turnovers, he's turned the ball over more than any quarterback fumbling, I believe. If it's not more than any quarterback, it's right near the top. Um He's got a really bad problem with fumbles. But other than that, um, his completion percentage is through the roof. He's throwing the ball downfield. He's moving in the pocket. He's thrown a lot of touchdowns. He's been playing some really good football, arguably the best of his career. But the past two weeks have not been his best showing. And I know they won. But still, he's got to play better. He has to play better for the Raiders to, to be better. And I don't want to put it all on Derek because the Raiders' defense is But horrific. we've known that. They're a JV We've team. known that, though. Yeah. We have known that. Um, so the offense has to do a significant amount to keep them in games. Until their defense, until their defense plays better, Derek and the offense has to be the reason they win games because their defense is not going to help them that much. Um, and they barely squeaked away with a win. Um, they have the Colts next week, and I'm really afraid of what might happen in that game. So hopefully Josh Jacobs will be back for that game. Um, and hopefully Phillip Rivers decides to throw a butt-ton of interceptions. So, yeah, he hasn't. But, uh, but he hasn't been. Yeah, my, so. so I stuck up for the Raiders over this last week, and I thought that they were going to be – or the week before. I thought they were going to finish 4-1. and one. And be um, uh, finish ten six to make the playoffs. That is not looking. I'm not feeling as confident mm-hmm. about that after these last two weeks. No, I'm not. Especially when you got the Colts who are sitting at eight and four, the Browns who are at nine and three, and the Dolphins who are at eight and four. So and they have to play the Dolphins and the Colts. Exactly. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Raiders, but it's not really looking good for them. Um, let's go to the Giants and the Seahawks game because 
I think this game says as much about the Giants as it does the Seahawks in the sense that the Giants, the Giants have been playing really, really good football. And if you take a look back at their games this season, their worst game of the season was to the 49ers. So just roll with me on this. They lost 36 to nine. That was their worst game. But you go back to their other games this season, they've barely, barely been losing these games. They lost to the Bears by four. They lost to the Rams by eight. Lost to Washington. I mean, they lost to the Giants. I mean, the Cowboys by three. So I've got all these games games in front of me. They lost to themselves. Yeah, they (laughs) lost to the Eagles. Yeah, they lost to the Eagles by one. They should have beaten the Buccaneers. Okay. And they've just, their losses have not been bad because their defense is good. Their defense is really, really good. And over the last seven games, they're five and two. The Giants, the Giants are starting to look like uh, a pretty good football team. And they play really hard. And if Daniel Jones comes back and he is healthy, I'm assuming the Giants are going to win this division, although Washington might have something to say about that. But the Giants might win this division. And for any team in the NFC right now who looks and they have the Giants on their schedule in the playoffs, assuming they win the division, that is not a game that you can just kind of go, oh, yeah, well, we got to look past the Giants because uh, of their record. No, do not look past the Giants. The Giants are good, and they have an elite defense. If their offense can just do enough, their defense will take care of them because they bottled up the Seahawks this week. Yeah, um, this is actually going to be one of my questions for you, but it was can a team in the NFC East make some noise in the playoffs? And I think it's interesting that this is going to be the playoff matchup. This was a playoff preview. Giants are going to host the Seahawks later this year as they'll be the NFC East champions and the Seahawks will finish as the number one wild card. And we might see a similar scenario play out. Yeah. Because this Giants defense, yeah. they do the one thing that the Seahawks can't contend with. They bring the house. They get to Russell Wilson. And if they can do that and Daniel Jones comes back and he doesn't turn the ball over, because that's the only reason why they were losing games in the first place, because their offense was so ineffective and so inefficient with the ball. Uh, they might they might get be able to get a playoff win. Yeah, yeah, they could they could make a little bit of noise. and even if they don't necessarily get a playoff win, I don't see them getting blown out. They haven't gotten blown out all season, minus the 49ers game. And that was an ugly game, to be honest. But <laughs> it was an ugly game. But other than the, that, it was the Bears B squad <laughs> owning up against the yeah. Giants. Yeah. Um. And just and even so, even if Washington wins, right? even if Washington wins, Washington is kind of in the same boat. You know, you go to that Washington Steelers game, so we can transition to this one. They played really well, and Alex Smith, Alex, Alex, the book is written on Alex Smith. He will not turn the ball over for you. He will move you down the field and put you in a position to score, and he won't turn the ball over. He just he'll won't. keep a drive alive. That's what he does. He was 30 yeah, he was 31 for 46, 296 yards, one touchdown. You know what he did? He did ex- he did enough to win the game, and that's all you can ask of him right now. He got thrust into a position where he didn't prepare as the st- to be the starting quarterback this season, obviously. He got thrust into playing and he's been playing some really really 
good at football. And as long as he does enough, then Washington is also in a similar spot to the Giants. Yeah, totally agree. I think Washington's a pretty scary team. Um, I think the Niners actually play them next week, which is a little unfortunate. But when they, if they can get um, their backfield healthy, um, their defense, that front seven, it's, it's a lot like the Niners last year. They've got a lot of first-round picks on that team. Um, they're just – they're scary. They're not a team that you really want to face because they have um, seemingly nothing to lose. They're just going out and playing their game. Um, they're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to make you – they're going to force you into some mistakes, and it's really worked out for them. I also think that they caught Pittsburgh at the right time for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. bye week was week four. And they're right now in the middle of playing three games in 12 days. And they just had a divisional match. Like, the the setting was so perfect for Washington to get this upset. That's uh, that's why I picked them last week. Uh, I kind of called it. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was it's just two, two perfect things. Washington is right and high, and they caught the Steelers at the right time. So let's play this out for a sec because I looked at Washington's schedule and the Giants' schedule while you were talking right there. And Washington Washington has the easier slate, I think. Okay. So they have the 49ers, the Seahawks, who the Giants just Ooh. beat, the Panthers, and the Eagles. Okay. Okay. So not a cakewalk, mm-hmm. but not, uh, not nearly what the Giants have okay. in front of them. So what the Giants have in front of them is the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, and then the Cowboys. So they should beat the Cowboys. But those three games, the Cardinals, the Browns, and the Ravens, those will be tough games. Now, the Cardinals are on a bit of a slide. well against the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals are on a bit of a slide, so I could definitely see them winning that game. The Browns are playing some really good football. But... If they Who knows? Limit, maybe they can give they Baker Mayfield to, some uh, eight points. They win, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's all they need to do. It's as simple as that. Right. Just look at the stats, right? So I think the road for Washington is a little bit easier. But you also got to think that um, the Giants won both matchups against Washington, so they do have the tiebreaker. They do have the tiebreaker, so too. So there's that as well. That's a huge piece of this. Because I think Washington loses to the Niners, loses to Seattle, and could drop a game against Philly or I can't remember the other team that you said. Carolina. Yeah, they probably would beat Carolina. Yeah. they. I think they beat Carolina and Philly. It comes sure. down to that Philly game. We don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to look like as the starter, but – if they uh, – that's going to be four weeks from now. So, they Philly could be a completely different team. So, that's the other thing that we need to get into is what what do we think Philly is going to do this week? Because I was listening to Get Up this week and a lot of them were talking – and I a lot of them were talking about how it just looks like – or they were saying – there's more Dan Orlovsky said that he believes that Carson Wentz is just broken. Like, he just like looks mentally. mentally and physically – yeah. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, I don't know if that's fair to say. Because I don't know if – I don't know how comfortable I would feel 
assuming or just flat out saying that somebody is mentally broken. Well, I think now, he's talking about like he... in a competitive athletics. I don't think he's saying that he has a mental illness or anything. Well, no, I yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, but still, at the same time, at the same time, I get where he's coming from, but I still don't know if I'd be comfortable saying that. He, to me, I think a better word, I think a better word is distracted. I think he looks distracted. And what I mean by that is you ask any athlete, any athlete, if you go out onto a game and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I really got to make sure that I don't make a mistake because if I make a mistake, then I'm going to get benched and the next guy is going to be up. If you go out there and you play with that thought process, then chances are, and usually you play pretty bad. Usually you do not perform your best because you're just thinking about all the things you can do wrong. And eventually you do do something wrong. So to me, I think, I think he looks distracted in the sense that I think he knows and he owned up to it, I believe, last week. I believe in uh, the locker room he, like, stood up in front of his team and said that, yep. you know, talked about all the things that he's been doing wrong and that he was owning up to it. And that went well with uh, people in the right. locker room. But he knows he's playing bad. Mm-hmm. And I think because he knows he's playing bad, he's more concerned about trying to do everything correctly and not make right. a mistake. And he's just in his head. I think he's distracted. Not broken. I think it's definitely a loss of confidence um, for him. He's got the C on. He's the starting quarterback of this game, but it just doesn't feel like it's the same Carson Wentz where he's no. going to make plays for the, where he's a, he can be counted on for this team because he was a piece that, with all things going wrong last year, all of the ins and outs of personnel, it was Carson Wentz who steadied the ship. That's not the case this year. And it just seems like he is holding on to this image of himself that he's that he can play at that level and he's just not. And that's really straining on him these last couple of weeks. Um, I think you let him oh, – man, I think benching him is, is interesting because it could just further destroy what confidence he has. Um, yeah. But if you just let him breathe, like he needs an off season to just sit there, breathe, analyze what's going on wrong. Because the dude has talent. Obviously, the dude has talent. Oh, He's yeah. He's second overall pick. He's won games in the NFL. He <laughs> led a team that went to eventually win a Super Bowl. Like the dude has talent. He's just missing throws that you expect a dude of his caliber to make. He expects to make those throws. It's not happening. He's forcing the issue. Yada, yada, yada. He's afraid to make mistakes. Like you said, it's just, he's playing with so many things going on. It's, it's like when a golfer, it, the saying is like, you're supposed to have your mind quiet while you're swinging. Well, while he's swinging, he has a million things going on in his head and it just can't be healthy. I think he needs, he needs a fresh setting. That's the and we'll get the same Carson Wentz we got before. He just needs to. I agree. A refresh, refresh that web. Either a change. I don't know if it's going to be a change in coaching staff or a change in scenery because you got to remember that Carson Wentz has a giant contract, which at the time was a record-setting contract. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And yeah, 
So if they trade him away, then that whoever they're trading him away to is taking on that contract as well. So what's going to be interesting is going to is going to be this these last four weeks. They moved Jalen Hurts, and they they moved him. What I mean by that is they they made him uh, they put him in for basically the second half of the game. Yeah. So the question is, do you go back to Jalen Hurts? Actually, no. Go back to Carson Wentz, or do you keep Jalen Hurts out there? Or what? Like what? What was that move? Was it we needed a spark, or we're checking to see if we have no, a start? If you make that move, you got to stick with it. It doesn't. It doesn't. I do think you Carson do too. Wentz or Jalen Hurts any favors if you flip flop again. Say you start Carson Wentz the next game, any plays poorly again then you have to bench him again right that would be totally demoralizing if you just simply say hey you know what we're gonna see this season's pretty much lost it's not Carson's fault we have a lot of injuries on this team Uh, we just want to see what we have with Jalen Hurts if you spin it like that everyone will understand that it's Carson's probably out but it won't be like this big distraction of Oh my gosh, who are we going to start with? Jalen or Carson or blah, 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 blah. Like, Doug, what are you doing? But if you just simply go out, Jalen Hurts is going to be our starter for the rest of the season, given no injuries, and then just live with it. You got to see what you have in this second round quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and then before we move on to picks, ESPN, they put out their power rankings. I wanted to run oh, it yeah, by and see what you think. All right. So we'll start at the bottom. We'll go number 10, Tennessee Titans. They were at week, they were at week 13. They were ranked 7. They dropped okay. to 10. So they're still in the top 10. Number 9, Tampa, who last time we saw them did not play mm-hmm. very well. So at number 8, it's Cleveland. Okay. They vaulted from 12 to 8. Good for them. ESPN, 12 to 8. 7 is the Rams. Okay. Which I like. I like that they're in this. And I actually might even put – I'd put them higher than the team above them. The team above them at number 6 is Seattle. Oh, okay. I'd put the Rams above Even though the Seattle. Rams, like, beat Seattle head to head? That's weird. That's a weird one. Yeah, the Rams – yeah, uh, it is. keep going. Um, number five, so we get in the top five. Number five is Buffalo. Yeah. Number six is Green Bay. Wait. Number. No, number six. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> sorry. Number four. Number four. I'm sorry. I was looking at where everybody was. Um, number four is okay. Green Bay. So five Buffalo, four Green Bay, three New Orleans. Yeah. Two Pittsburgh. One case. Not a lot of quarrels with that. Um, I definitely yeah. think you would you would have you have to flip flop Rams in Seattle. You I do too. To. I agree. Especially when one is coming off of a loss and the other is coming off of a, a win. Mm-hmm. And mm, Buffalo, Green Bay, Buffalo, Green Bay. I'm glad they didn't dock Pittsburgh. Very much. I'm glad they because they were last week they were one and Kansas City was two, so they just flipped them. I'm glad they didn't bring them all the way down to like. I think five. it says more about New Orleans in the fact that they're not. I I'm not super sold 
on New Orleans and the Taysom Hill experience? Well, okay, so Drew Brees He's, may yeah. be coming back next, oh, next week. week. Maybe. There's a potential. The thing about New Orleans is top to bottom, they're probably the most complete team. Their defense is legit. They've been playing so good. And their offense, now that all their starters are back, has been balling. So if you get Drew Brees back, then I think they vault to the number one team in okay, the we NFC gotta, we gotta put by a far. Context in there, their defense, the the degree of difficulty that they've been playing against, what they've beaten the Broncos without a quarterback, they beat Atlanta twice, and we know what Atlanta is, right? And my, mind you, they shut out the Buccaneers and put up made them score three points. So they match up really well against the Buccaneers, but they also got blown out by Green Bay. So let's let's just let's oh, just yes, touch, the... touch on the whole I don't think they're the most complete team in the NFL. I would put Pittsburgh above them. I'd put Kansas City for sure above them with considering both units. Um I'd even probably lean towards the Rams at this point as more of a complete team than New Orleans. Mm, I disagree, but I disagree, but that's. that's Are you just staying with opinion. Drew Brees or with Taysom Hill? I'd say just how, just how they are right, right now. now. No, their defense. Right now, hell, hell, no! They're probably out of the top five right now with Taysom Hill as their quarterback. Well, the thing is, is that all they have to do right now this week is beat the Eagles, and then even if they don't get Drew Brees back for this upcoming week, if they get him back against the Chiefs, and the rest of the season. Then they have the Vikings and the Panthers. I'm sorry. I just think that top to bottom, they're the most complete. They they have so many. Their defense was playing so subpar at the beginning of the year. They were not playing up to their potential. And it looks like after that Buccaneers game, they finally have woken up. Granted, I know the offensive uh, calibers that they've been playing against, but they have been playing so much better recently. And it'll be really – their biggest test is going to be that Chiefs game by far. Yeah. But I think – I think right now, right now, still, even with Taysom, they're still arguably the most complete team in the NFL. And once Breeze comes back, I think it's I, I, it might even be without question, in my opinion. Mm. Other than the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers are just – they're not playing. The Buccaneers? No, I, well, I'm talking about roster-wise. In the NFC? Not, not in terms of how they're – yes. Oh. I'm just talking about how they're actually – yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about how, like – on paper, the Buccaneers look like. So they let's go. Be let's go step by step here. The Rams have the best defense in the NFL. Unquestioned. Okay, I don't think I am going to argue that. And their offense just put up 30, 31 against the Cardinals. When Jared Goff is right, which thirty-eight, but they they scored a. A pick six. So I, that's why okay, I just I deducted okay. them. A pick yeah, six yeah. that gave your fantasy defense more points. <laughs> yeah. Which we do have to mention, uh, Jason did beat me in fantasy football this week, and he uh, kept his good friend out of the playoffs to make him feel. Oh, did I knock yeah, you out? You, you officially knocked me out. I told you I could have sat my guy. That would just be him. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't feel good. So I, I just think the Rams, which off the top of my head, I can't remember. They have two losses against the Niners, which, I mean, no. 
no uh no ill wills about that you know like there's nothing to scoff about that and then who else did they yeah, lost okay. to all right, let's see. Let's pull up their schedule. Um, let me find it here. Okay, so they lost to dun, 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 they lost to the Bills. No, nothing to scoff about that. Lost, that was a close game too. Lost to the oh, and then that Dolphins game oh, where the Dolphins' entire team right. they had like two special teams yeah. touchdowns and like five turnovers. Yeah, their team like totally beat them as opposed to like their <laughs> offense. In the we're gonna. Walk to a across the street to his first win. Tua is an old lady, and we're gonna yeah, help him much. across the street. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, there's nothing. I I feel like no. Nah, I I feel like the Rams right now are better than the Saints, and Green Bay is playing. The Green Bay's defense by far is the worst of those three, but Aaron Rodgers is just playing at the highest level in the NFL right now. I'm glad you said that about their defense. I was like, we got to also. Oh, it's gonna bad. Their defense pull. is bad. Yeah. I was, yeah. By far. By far. Um, you know what else is bad? The fact that you're beating me in picks. Yeah, isn't it weird? It's five to eight. It's five to eight now. With that, with Washington beating the Steelers. Dude, that puts you over the top. At least top. I went with my gut, man. I called, I called it all week. I think I called it the week before. Yeah. It's all good, man. Do you want to? Do you want to count the Cowboys Ravens game as a? Well, you sound like you're in a fishbowl. Sorry. Do you want to? Do you want to count uh, the Cowboys Ravens game as a? So this technically, week or next this week. Game? I think we're both going Ravens, regardless, right? Uh, well, actually, technically, it's last it's, week because the Ravens play the Browns on Monday. I don't know but, what. So you're yeah. talking about Week 14. Yeah, do we want to count it as a part it's of week, week 14? 13. All right, so we'll just skip over that. All right, let's go. Patriots Rams. Give me the give me the Rams. Yeah, I'll take the Rams too. Um Titans Jags, I'll take the uh the Titans. Titans. Uh Bucks Vikings, I'll take the Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah, give me the Bucks. Chiefs over the Dolphins. Ooh, good game. Give me the Very good game. Broncos-Panthers An awful is game. a little bit. Yeah, but interesting in the sense that I don't know. I don't know who to pick. Panthers had a bye, I believe. They played the Vikings tough. Broncos defense is good. I don't Teddy know. Teddy Bridgewater uh, is probably back. Oh, McCaffrey's back. I'm going to go Panthers. But the Broncos' defense is actually yeah. not bad. No, it's not. Uh, I'll take the Panthers, too. Um, give me the Texans over the Bears. <laughs> sure. I guess. I don't know. That's like a coin flip game. Um, and you know what? I'm riding high with them. I'm feeling good. I was giving them a lot of praise. And... Uh, Cardinals on a bit of a downslide a little bit, so I'll take the Giants. I was also going to take the Giants. All righty. Cowboys, Bengals. Good Lord. Give me the Cowboys. I'm too scared to pick any other way against you on that game because I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm just going to 
I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I don't too. even know who's playing quarterback uh, for Cincinnati right now. I don't either. Nor do oh. I care. Uh, <laughs> Colts Raiders. Give me the Colts. You know. Ooh. You're going to pick against the Raiders? You know. <laughs> you know. The, <laughs> There are so many reasons. Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram are not expected oh. to play in week 14. Oh, There's you guys are getting slaughtered. Yeah, yeah I'll take the Colts. <laughs> but you picked against the Niners this year, yeah. right? I picked against them uh, the Saints game. Yeah, I'll I'll do it, but I'm... I swear I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that's the game. Oh, man. I just. <sighs> yeah, I'll take the Colts. I'll take the Colts. But it's just. Oh, man. That'll be tough. You I don't do it feel with good a heavy heart. It. I, just... I do. But I really don't. I don't think they're playing well enough to win that game. Are they going to make the playoffs, dude? No, I don't think so. Something, something would have to happen. The Dolphins, which. The Dolphins have a fairly, I believe, you know, the Dolphins have a rough four games. They have the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills. They could lose um, every single game. They could. Um, I mean, the teams that the Raiders would have to compete with are the yeah. Dolphins, the yeah. Browns. The Browns are yeah. going to get it. I'm assuming the and Browns are going to get Colts. it. And then it's going to come down between the Titans yeah. and the Colts. So if they have any hope of getting in the playoffs, they need – the game next Sunday. They absolutely if they beat the it. Colts, um, they'd be tied with – well, they'd be ahead of the Colts. They would leapfrog the Colts. They'd be – yeah, not only would they leapfrog the Colts, but if it came down to a tiebreaker, they'd have it over them. They already beat the Browns. Huge. And if they end up beating the Dolphins, they have to beat the Browns. I mean, they have to beat the Colts and the Dolphins. They Either or or both. I think they have to get both. That Atlanta game really did not. Did, you, <laughs> no, they need they need to win three of their four last games, and two of them and two of them have to be the Colts and the Dolphins. They could lose one to the Chargers or one to the Broncos, and I think they'd be fine. But if they finish ten and six with beating the Colts and the Dolphins, there's a shot that they get in. But they have to win those two games. I I think this game is um, less of importance if they manage to be if they went out. After this game, by beating the Dolphins, obviously, Broncos, Chargers, I think they'd probably get in. I don't think so, because they're going to be two games well, down. They'll be two Miami, games down to the Colts. No, they, they'd have it over Miami, because Miami would um, theoretically lose to the Chiefs. Then they would lose to the Raiders, so they would be back down to 10-6 and six range. And the Raiders oh, would crap. make it over. Oh, crap. There's three. There's, yeah, because it's a seven-team yeah. playoff now, huh? There's a sliver. Maybe. There's a yeah. light at the end of the tunnel. It's still alive. Still alive. Um, but, man, eight and four sounds way better. You know, than the Patriots five. might come in. I know um, they'll make it. Okay. <laughs> um, Seahawks to the Jets. Give me the Hawks. Yeah. Give me the Packers over yeah. the Lions. Give me, ooh, Chargers, Falcons. Great. Game. Yikes. Uh, give me the oh. give me the bolts. So I think I have to pick Atlanta because we just haven't we only picked, picked one different. 
That's the one. So, I guess I'll just go Atlanta just because. Just, just uh, Washington and the 49ers. Great game for Washington. They match up really well against the 49ers. Um, but the 49ers are going to win. I'll take Washington. Um, Saints, Saints, Eagles. Yep. Steelers, Bills. Ooh, uh, that's tough awesome. game for the Steelers. Bills defense isn't very good. So I think the Steelers offense bounced back. But Josh Allen looked so good. We didn't talk about this in our uh, week recap, but Josh Allen looked so good against the Niners uh, going out of the pocket yeah. against that pressure. I think the Bills find a way to win that game. I was going to pick that too. Um, and then we have the Ravens and the Browns. That's another great game. Um, so the Ravens dominated now, the Browns the last time they played. I was going to say they shellacked them the but first that was two time they played. Teams back then. And I think the Ravens somehow win. Just somehow. They've got a great Ravens have a good defense. Ravens do have a really good defense. We need to flip on a game, and I could just take the Browns because I feel like that is kind of a coin well, flip there's game. A, there's a bunch of coin flip games. Um, I'm looking back. I could just go different. On the, no, because I wouldn't feel comfortable taking the Bears uh, over the Texans. No, I wouldn't feel. I don't think I'd feel comfortable taking the Broncos or over the, the Panthers. Cardinals over Giants. Maybe I, I'll take the. Cardinals. Even though I think that the Giants are going to win. It's so much more fun when we have five games. What do we have now? Well, right now we're... If you pick the yeah, Cardinals... We'd be at five. Um, no, we'd be at three. But we differed. We differed. I picked the... Oh, you picked the Colts. That's right. Mm-hmm. And... So if we want if we want to so get to five, then I can pick the Browns. Then we would need one more. Counting the Cardinals. Counting the Cardinals. Oh, because you picked because you picked flip, Buffalo too. Oh, yeah, I'll yes. pick the Browns. Okay. I'll pick um, the Browns. I'll pick the. So we're at, the we're Bears. at four. Okay. Bears over Houston. Somehow. Which. Which is not the worst idea. The Bears are at home, and it's cold. All right, five games. Well, I got I got All three right. weeks to play with, so. That's true. That's true. I have to win out to in win. order to uh, – no, in order to just tie. I can't win right now. Unless we – unless we'd have to draw it out into the playoffs. Well, no, there's four weeks left. Oh, shoot, they're right. My bad. I was thinking there were 16 weeks, 16 games. Duh, bye. Um, forgot to count the bye. So, yeah. But I would have to win all four weeks. Do you want to just close the show with some, some Russell and John Wall talk? Uh, we talk yeah, we could. Blockbuster trade last week. It is kind of a blockbuster trade. I think Houston probably got the better end of that Ooh, deal. Do tell. I don't know. I I just feel like um, 
So James Harden hasn't left yet. I think all indications are that he's going to leave. But let's just hypothetically say that James Harden does stay. Mm-hmm. I think he's playing with a point guard who can be more complimentary than Westbrook. Um, he's not going to take nearly the attention away uh, or nearly just – he's not going to have the ball in his hand as much as Westbrook seems to all the time. Um, I know that Russ and Bradley – I think Bradley Beal – his play might have a potential, or his stats at least, have a potential to maybe dip with the amount of presence that Westbrook is going to want to command on offense. Okay. So it's one of those trades where it's – you almost don't necessarily feel like the team's got – like majorly different because you swap two like their, all-star point guards for each other. Pretty identical. Yeah. So you really have to go like fine details and walls just a little, probably more suited to play with somebody walls a else. Little younger coming off, not playing in like two years because of injury. So he's not going to be a, yeah. A high, he's not going to be a large ego in the locker room, and I think that that really helps um, no. Harden. His game doesn't perfectly fit with Harden because he's not the jump shooter. At, at least what we've seen from his NBA play is he's not a jump shooter like what Harden would need to play off of. Uh, but all I think reports are that he's his jump shot looks great because he's just been working. Yeah, well, neither exactly, was Westbrook, exactly, and that's why they didn't work. So yeah. Um, and he's got uh, Demarcus coming back, so they're they're really um, they're they're playing they're playing a uh, high ball over there. They're they're rolling the dice on some injured former All Stars in Houston. Yeah, and it's which kind of not working because Harden isn't showing up to practice. But who knows? <laughs> right. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's it's tough to say because again. Like I mentioned, it's two all-star point guards. They play relatively similar to one another, so only time will tell really who got the better end of the deal. But I don't know. I uh, that was just kind of my my gut right. reaction. So, I mean, who would you rather have on your team, John Wall on the or Kings? Russell Westbrook? If you were building a team, um, I think so. Both have injury history. Wall's a little younger. He might be a lot younger. He might be like three years younger. But uh, Westbrook, Westbrook at his peak is a way better player. He's a bigger name. He probably brings in more tickets. I think the buzz around Washington is way greater now because Westbrook's there instead of John Wall. Um. So Westbrook is thirty-two, oh, Wall is thirty. Um, they both have massive contracts. Um, they do. They're both. I think Wall is a a little bit more of a distributor than Westbrook was. Um, yeah, but I actually think that Washington gets the better end of this because I think Westbrook could play well with Beal because Beal's a little more of a spot-up catch-and-shoot shooter than Harden is. 
So I think their games match up a little better than what Wall and Harden will be. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe. And Westbrook gets to go to the East, which he's never played in the East. He gets to potentially vie for a playoff spot as being the lead dog in Washington. I think that's that's good for Westbrook's career. That's good for the NBA to have um, a big star in another market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Only time will tell, obviously. And the NBA starts really soon, so... So it'll be, it's going to be fun. We're going to have basketball back. It feels like it just ended because We're have it did just end. Basketball so. coming up here, man. Little King, Kings basketball. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so thank you all so much for listening to episode seventy-one of Nothing to Say to Fans podcast. If you stuck with us this long, we really appreciate it. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see you all. Yeah, next guys, Tuesday. wish me luck in my finals. Hope it goes well. <laughs>